Hello everybody and welcome to the Australian Seller Podcast. My name is Chris Thomas and I'll be your host and this is the show where we talk about all things Amazon and e-commerce, whether it be private label, wholesale, dropshipping and how you can generate a recurring income either on the side or as a full-time gig. G'day, g'day everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Australian Seller Podcast and today's episode is episode 93. So if you head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash 093, you'll get all the show notes for today's show. And today we welcome Singapore-based global Amazon and e-commerce seller Jason Tay. Uh, Jason's journey started actually after he left his history teaching job and decided he wanted to get into a business or create a business. And eventually, he discovered Amazon via, unbelievably, a packet of noodles. He tried his hand at private label in 2013, and he hasn't looked back. Interestingly, in spite of his enormous successes, uh, he still places very small bets on products. So after all these years, the most he's ever invested in a first product is about 2000 US dollars. So I guess Jason proves that you can start and grow quite a big Amazon business with a very small investment. Um, he actually tells the story of how he got started with just 80 bucks. So today we chat strategies, we chat marketplaces, tools, and much, much more. And actually, speaking of tools, if you'd like to save 50% off your first month or 10% off for lifetime access to Helium 10, just visit theaustralianseller.com forward slash Helium 10. Uh, fun it will be fun next week. Uh, I'm hoping to be on Danny's uh, Danny McMillan seller session show where I'll be revealing some of my own failed products for a few giggles. Uh, Danny's also helping to promote the upcoming and free branded by women event and our own very own Regina Peterbergsky will be participating there. Um, of course you remember Regina from the women on Amazon Facebook group and also a marvelous podcast. She's arguably Australia's chatbot queen. Now, don't forget to join my Facebook group over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash Facebook. And I'm still offering private coaching all this year. So please head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash Chris to book an hour session with me. Make sure you're heading in the right direction. That's it from me. Uh, let's get on with the show with Jason Tate. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Australian Seller Podcast, and today I'm thrilled to welcome Jason Tay, who's originally from Singapore, currently in Perth, uh, and Jason's been featured as one of Amazon's success stories, uh, the case studies there. So he's a very experienced Amazon seller, does very, very well selling on Amazon, so I thought, let's get him on the show and pick his brains. So Jason, thank you so much for coming on. Um, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Uh, pleasure to be here, and go ahead. Take your pick off my brain. <laughs> I'll try to be helpful. Uh, it's okay. I'm sure you're going to be amazing. So um, tell us the story. What's the origin story here? How did you get to start selling on Amazon and why? <laughs> sure. So I used to be originally a history teacher in high school. And then I was in the nonprofit sector for probably close to 10 years. And during that time, I used to organize a lot of events and uh, being the one in charge of putting up these uh, events. Uh, I was always first in, last out. And what happened was one day my wife comes to me and she says, your daughter asked why daddy's never home for dinner. So 
that was sort of like a stab in the heart kind of yeah. uh, situation. Um, long story short, um, I started trying to put up some affiliate websites, you know, review um, top 10 washing machines or something like that. <laughs> and uh, people click on that and then maybe Amazon gives you, I don't know, somewhere anywhere from a 4 to 8% kind of uh, affiliate commission. Mm-hmm. So tried doing that with a few websites. Uh, um, did a bit of, uh, earned a bit of commission, you know, enough to pay like the power bill uh, more or less. But that was about it. Uh, so then in 2013, um, one of the catalysts was that I saw my sister who lives in the US. Um, she posted something on Facebook and it was a picture of a carton of uh, instant noodles. And she said, thank God for Amazon. So my sister has like five kids uh, and uh, five young ones. And for her to go to for example, the nearest uh, grow, specialist grocer would be maybe a two-hour drive. And if you have like four or five screaming kids in the car and driving two hours there, buying some stuff and then coming back another two hours, uh, yeah. that would be a nightmare. I was just going to say, I think a four-hour round trip just to pick up a packet of, packet of noodles uh-huh. <laughs> is, is up there. Anyway, yeah. sorry, I interrupted you. So, uh, her post was actually something she shared of a listing on amazon.com and uh, it cost about $30 I think for the pack of uh, it was Indomie Goreng uh, you can is. find that in yes. Australia quite commonly too so I was like whoa $30 uh, that's one USD per pack I'm pretty sure it's not that expensive so I run down to the little like uh, mini mart kind of place um, close by and I found that they were selling them for about 80 Singapore Aussie cents for a pack of five that's about 60 cents uh, USD uh, for five so just over mm-hmm. 10 cents each um, and she was paying a dollar each and so I was like whoa okay so if I can actually buy these and send mm-hmm. them to the states there is some margin here to be made. Uh, so that was one of the catalysts. The other thing that happened was because mm-hmm. I was on these uh, affiliate marketing email um, list, uh, I received a promo email mm-hmm. series from one of the big ticket Amazon selling courses. So very slick, like four-part video series. And then at the end of it, they said, okay, so you want to yeah. learn how to sell on Amazon, pay us the $4,000 or whatever. Uh, at that point, I had uh, resigned from my um, full-time job mm-hmm. and had been jobless for about two years. Uh, so I was not prepared to mm. pay the 4000 US dollars. Um, yep. So I actually, um, in the end, I did sign up for a much lower cost option and learn how to learn the basics and started sending two things in. I sent in a carton of steak knives and I sent in a carton of cutting boards or chopping boards. So about 25 sets of four steak knives and 25 uh, cutting boards. So what happened was the steak knives started to sell and mm-hmm. I had to reorder them. And the cutting boards, I think after two years, I still had 23 out of the 25. <laughs> yeah. Uh- <laughs> 
Yep. Uh, but I always say that was a blessing in disguise because uh, that forced me to really think about why one listing worked and why the other di- didn't. And I think that set the foundation for me to really, um, I guess, develop what I've become really good at, which is keyword analysis and learning how to op- look for low competition keywords and then to optimize for those, target those, and sell based based on keywords. And volumes and competition. And yeah, it's a really important part of validation, isn't it, when you're selling products on Amazon? Mm-hmm. Mm. Anything e-commerce or online related. Yep. That's right. Um, so... Are you still selling the steak knives or have you stopped selling? I know that you must have stopped selling the cutting board, <laughs> but I understand that you're actually in the beauty space now. So I'm wondering, right. did you pivot and why? Yes, absolutely. So in uh, th- those first two products, they were existing brands bought off one of um, uh, like off a wholesale directory. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to get, the steak knives, for example, for like, I don't know, about $4 or so and sell them for nineteen ninety nine, um, But they were um, somebody else's brand or an existing brand. Sure. And then what happened was uh, about a month later, so the first steak knife sale was the 19th of November, 2013. I remember getting that first email. Amazon has shipped the item you sold. Uh, and I was like, okay, this actually works. And... Uh, what happened was I subsequently did quite a lot of online arbitrage. So like looking for stuff, for example, on Walmart mm. or NikeFactoryOutlet.com or something like that. And then uh, looking for a price differential on Amazon and then f- uh, buying and flipping. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not enjoy doing that. Doing that. Some people do, but for me, that was like uh, uh, 101 to burn out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot so of work. taking up too much time. Uh, then I pivoted to do a whole, what we call wholesale, meaning, uh, for example, I opened an account and I was selling um, Marvel toys, like Captain America figurines, Spider-Man, uh, and various other things like uh, some green tea brand, uh, Indian herbal teas, uh, etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happened was, by 2014 or 15, I probably had a, close to 20 of these accounts where I was reselling other people's brands, buying it at wholesale from the brand owner. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the course of two years, by 2016, I think, uh, every sing- almost every single brand owner eventually wrote to me and said, hey, we are going to be selling online ourselves, so we will not be supplying to anybody who re- retails online anymore. Yeah. And so that was a bummer. Yeah. Was that was that uh, doing okay for you though? Was it making you some money and a bit of profit? Uh, yes, it was. Of course, when you buy wholesale, I always say uh, the margins are not that great, but maybe you don't have to spend as much on advertising as opposed to your own brands. No. Because uh, people might be looking for, people are already looking for like a Captain America like toy, right? That's right. Uh, but the margins were very, very small or thin. Mm. Uh, and that's uh, often say like if you buy like a known brand shoe, uh, they're made very cheaply in Vietnam or Indonesia or wherever. Uh, and just because somebody sticks their logo on it, a swoosh or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, they can sell it to you for um, $100, $200 mm-hmm. uh, at retail. And 
they probably give like a wholesaler like a small uh, maybe like 30-40% off retail but by the time you pay for the shipping from the um, supplier to Amazon you pay Amazon's fees you pay the fulfillment fees um, there's very very little left uh, so pros and cons with doing that That's right. and so by 2016 I pivoted completely to focus on developing my own brands only okay so what had happened was December 2013 alongside the steak knives and cutting boards I had uh, approached I wrote to 20 suppliers actually um also I wanted to develop my own like natural skincare uh and out of the 20 about four of them actually responded to my emails that's pretty standard yep yep mm. uh and out of the four after uh um, some communications back and forth uh, i got on the phone with some of them uh, i finally narrowed it down to one uh that i was comfortable working with um and also they were willing to work with my really really small opening order my opening order ended up being 80 us dollars Wow. <laughs> That's actually one of the lowest sort of, I guess, private label budgets <laughs> that I've ever heard. Yeah, I'm not surprised. How on earth did you become and... an Amazon success story? Anyway, let's, <laughs> I suppose we'll get there. From humble beginnings. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I had only like 1,200 USD set aside as like a budget. Like this is what I'm willing to risk, risk in mm-hmm. this venture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't even... Uh, get any design done i'm pretty bad at design myself i'm not a very artistic person i'm probably more an analytical person Mm -hmm. uh i didn't even bother to pay someone 10 bucks on fiverr uh i literally just use uh clip art did a bit of editing on the piece of clip art in powerpoint and then pasted it into a word document and sent it to the supplier and said hey can you like make a label out of this uh design pretty pathetic looking design on a word document and they said sure we'll do that we'll work with that uh and that's how i started and so uh i think it probably uh, went live on amazon.com uh january 2014 and by i think march or april it was already like one uh, in the top one percent of the beauty category that's crazy success right there yep so, but you have a special angle with your soaps too, don't you? I mean, yes, that's right. Mm, are you happy to talk about that? Sure. Uh, I think if you n- narrow down and really focus, uh, that can be helpful. So, for us, we really focus on people with skin issues and people who struggle if they use uh, commercial off the shelf kind of products. And so, we are very um, strict about our ingredients, for example, so uh, completely SLS, SLS-free, paraben-free. Uh, we use all natural ingredients. Most of them are either um, GMO-free or organic or minimally all-natural mm-hmm. if they're not organic certified ingredients. Um, so we specifically pay our suppliers to source for certified non-GMO ingredients, um, and we pay a bit more for that. Mm. Uh but that enables us to serve our target market well. So our target market, a lot of our customers are, I call them not even customers. Some of them, it's almost like a rabbit fan base uh, of very loyal customers. Mm-hmm. 
and most of them have had skin issues like eczema, uh, psoriasis, etc., like rash, mm. uh, chronically for some of them for decades, and doctors have not been able to help. Medication has not helped, and now they essentially swear by our soap. Wow, kind of thing. Yeah, because I think I, I heard on uh, it was when you were being interviewed by Megler uh, at the beginning of the Asian Seller podcast. It was uh, last year, I think. Um, you were saying that. Like in Singapore, there was like 25% of people, I think, have uh, eczema, for example. Yep. Of official stats are 21%. Sorry, so there's yeah. probably some more that are undiagnosed as well. Possibly. But then it just sort of created that ability for you to then go out and start to research the um, a lot of the medical papers about, you know, sort of studies that have been written about ingredients or, or products or things that can potentially help and it was a really interesting story, the way that you really honed in on that and then went looking for a solution and was able to create it. Do you want to walk through that? You can probably tell it better than me. Because, <laughs> yep, uh, I had friends and family who I knew people who had like eczema, for example. And so I did the research online. Um, you can actually find every most published medical studies on the, uh, it's like a, the US has like a national medical research library mm-hmm. and it's open, like every study is published there. So you can literally just read uh, the statistics and the results and all the research for various studies. Mm-hmm. And so I begin, uh, I approached it from the angle of number one, I realized that um, these skin issues were a developed world problem. People in div- uh, developing countries or third world countries did not have these issues. Mm. It was only in countries like uh, the US, the in um, Western Europe, in Singapore, and Australia. Mm. Uh, these were common problems. And in China, since some cities have started developing, they've seen a big jump in eczema, for example. Like now 12% of kids in developed parts of China have eczema, for example. Mm. Um, so that was really interesting to me. Uh, along the way, I we happened to be invited to the United Nations. So... End of 2013, when I made my first sale on Amazon, uh, I was actually in New York and I was in the lobby of the hotel we were at and uh, we were invited there for International Children's Day because uh, we sort of helped uh, start a school in rural India. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I approached it from, okay, modern medicine does not help uh, these skin issues. Uh, the official mo- uh, medical line is that there's no cure for eczema. Um, but I know that there have been many more traditional remedies, uh, whether in Native American uh, culture or in Indian Ayurvedic medicine or in traditional Chinese medicine. So uh, various studies have been done on the various ingredients that people have used mm-hmm. uh, and that have had positive results. And so I begin to compile a list like of the best of the best ingredients mm-hmm. and like, okay, how do we put these together and do something? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was how it started. Mm. Uh, so that's one of our, so now we've developed like a whole skincare range, probably have about close to 50 SKUs. Mm-hmm. Um, of which only a limited range is on Amazon. The rest are on all on our own website. Yep. Um, at the same time, uh, I've also created a like a catch-all brand. Okay. 
So I often just use that example, you know, like Marks and Spencers or something like that, uh, where uh, you can sell anything from coffee and cookies to a cocktail mm. suit or a tuxedo. <laughs> yeah, okay. So yeah, it's much more generic. Yeah, yeah. it just enables mm-hmm. you then to really th- throw mud at mud at the wall and see what sticks and yeah, have some that's fun. That's right. Yeah. So that's about half of our business probably is um, the catch all kind of stuff. And then half of it is the skincare. Amazing. Do you, so are you, it sounds like you sort of went in with a little bet and then, you know, obviously grew it out from there with a success that you'd created around the first bar of soap or whatever that product was exactly. Are you still adopting that approach? Like do you take little bets and try and do smaller quantities when you're trying to launch or, you know, get a product going on Amazon yep. or do you just go bang with a massive order and, you know, go all in? I think the biggest initial order I've ever done was 500 units of a coffee filter (laughs) for about $4 each. Okay. So a couple of grand. That's the largest Mm. single order I've ever done for a first order. Uh, So no, I don't really go big. Uh, I have a sort of... um, strategy that i use i guess um number one i if it's launching a new listing on amazon what i do is i look i compare and compile information of similar products especially those that have less than 10 reviews Mm -hmm. so anything with zero to nine reviews and i look at what kind of velocity uh these listings have Mm -hmm. and then i take an, an uh like a range so if they're doing like let's say 100 to 200 sales like uh on average Mm -hmm. for the last 30 days, then what I do is that sort of becomes the number that I benchmark against. Because when I start with zero reviews, I'm not going to be expecting to sell like the guy with 200 reviews. Nope. Uh, And the other thing I also set is I set a quantum, like a dollar amount. Like this is the maximum I'm willing to uh, risk. Mm -hmm. If despite my, all my research and analysis, the product turns out to be a dud, uh, it's what I'm willing to write off. I see. So, uh, do you? How much time do then do you split between the two brands in terms of research? It sounds like the research for the skincare brand is probably a bit easier mm-hmm. versus the catch-all brand or the generic brand. You know, it, how- yeah, pretty different approaches. Yeah. So, like, uh, the skincare is all in beauty, for example, or personal care, um, and then. The catch-all is all over the place. I have listings in anything from office to arts and crafts to home and kitchen to uh, industrial and scientific. Yeah. Wow. So are they split by account? So did you get a second seller account or do you just have it all jumbled up in the same account? No, I currently have just a one seller account. Mm. I'll probably open another one next year. Yeah. No, that's the plan. That's a good plan. Yeah, I've got about mm-hmm. three accounts now, I think. So I dabble in a couple and I've got sort of my main one. Um, interesting. So given that you're able to start then with 80 bucks <laughs> to <get laughs> back in, what, 2013, what do, you, what do you think the budget should be that today for somebody who's sort of starting out? I think having a few thousand dollars uh, would be a comfortable starting point. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that will give you enough buffer for um, 
ordering the product plus shipping the product to the states if it's from overseas mm -hmm. as well as i think nowadays every, every listing that i launch uh amazon ads or ppc ads on amazon are a big big part of my overall strategy mm -hmm. so having some uh, yeah money to run the ads i think would be helpful well speaking of launching in ppc is that the only way that you launch a product on amazon just using sponsored ads or are you running some other launch stuff like i don't know chatbots and and other methods rebates etc so i have tried using uh like external services um, various ones like Zon Blast, uh, Jump Send, Viral Launch, whatever. Mm. Uh, I've stopped using all of them for a few years now. Mm -hmm. uh, every single listing that I've launched in the last two years, which is pr probably about 18 or so, mm -hmm. maybe 20, uh, have all uh, taken off purely from organic and Amazon-sponsored ad uh, rankings. That's sensational. Yep. So yeah, mm -hmm. and I think the key to that is because I really go very wide, and I also target very low competition keywords. So go very wide with a big basket of keywords, as mm -hmm. well as uh, go after very low competition keywords as much as possible. And so, like with some of the new listings, for example, uh, they just reach Amazon and they just start selling. Sometimes, like I don't even know that they've um, been delivered, because uh, yeah. I get like hundreds of emails from Amazon per day yeah. now. Like, yeah, you from, would like the order, yeah, yeah. and uh, for each order, and uh, so I don't even bother to open them sometimes. Uh, but yeah, I've had products just reach Amazon and then just start selling a few units every day before I realize after a week that oh, it was delivered last week and it's already <laughs> just started selling without me bothering to do it. That's a, oh, God, what a dream. Um, <clears throat> in terms of finding these uh, these keywords with low competition, is yeah. this a magnet play for you? Are you using something like a Helium 10 magnet to yep. look at Cerebro scores or whatever and look for those non-branded opportunities? Me too. I love that tool. Yep. So, uh, yes, I, I use uh, Helium 10, so Magnet Cerebro, compile the stuff onto a spreadsheet kind of thing, mm. do the analysis of like how many comp competing listings, etc. Mm. Um, and I've tried most of the tools out there. I was, I had, uh, I've used like Jungle Scout, uh, Viral Launch, uh, Seller Labs, uh, Merchant Words, etc, etc, etc. Some of these tool makers like approach me like i have a bunch of tool developers who have given me like accounts to test out their stuff mm -hmm. uh that i haven't even touched and i've unsubscribed from everything and the only tool that i currently use most of the time is a helium 10 suite mm. uh yeah so and um, yep i think it's yeah. pretty much an indispensable tool at the moment so jungle mm -hmm. jungle scout used to rule the roost for ages and yeah <laughs> used to be like i don't know unicorn smasher Boy, have we yeah, been Unicorn Smasher yeah. is scary. So <laughs> I have comp uh, the reason I unsubscribe from the others and only use a Helium 10 now is because it it's an all-in-one suite. So like I don't have to like go subscribe to like three or four other things. You don't have to jump. Uh, the other mm -hmm. thing is uh two other things is 
um, speed. So I found that, uh, well, Helium 10 returns the results very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked Viral Launch as well for the accuracy, uh, but Viral Launch was really slow. Like I would put in a keyword into their magnet equivalent mm-hmm. or Cerebro equivalent, and then it will say, uh, come back in 30 minutes for your results. I yeah, like, I know. There's a lot, of, uh, a lot of data processing that goes on there while they work out yep. scores and I don't know, That's all sorts right. of percentages and all sorts yep. of you know, data. That, yeah. So because I've measured against my own sales um, records, uh, um, I found that Helium 10 and Viral Launch are on par. They uh, were both plus minus 11% of my actual sales numbers mm-hmm. uh, for their sales estimates. Some of the other tools were way, way off. Like Unicorn Smasher was off by 200% for one of my listings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so, so dangerous, isn't it? <laughs> and I think I think with Helium 10, what I like about their tool in particular, and there's always a lot of controversy about the accuracy of these tools, but I do mm-hmm. like Helium 10 because it does tend to take a much longer view of the bestseller rank rather yep. than the sort of instantaneous snapshot. That's so right. If you've got an instantaneous snapshot on a BSR and you're trying to calculate sales off that and that seller is running a lightning deal on that product and the BSR is plummeted oh. to, you know, five in the category, yep. then, yeah, that totally skews the numbers. So you be super careful with, with those. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, especially like now with the COVID-19 uh, lockdown situation, mm-hmm. um, a lot of listings have skewed kind of uh, sales <laughs> data. <laughs> Massive. That's very true. How did you end up as an Amazon success story? Did, how did that happen? <laughs> okay. I think the two main uh, reasons for that, number one, being a former history teacher, I reckon that uh, history is made by the people who actually bothered to write about what was happening. And so I said, hey, you know what? I'm going to keep like an online diary, like a blog, well, we call it, Mm -hmm. to chronicle my online selling adventure. So I started a blog and initially I was just updating it about once a month. So I do a monthly update as a chapter and the idea was at the end of this i'm going to just copy and paste the whole thing and publish a book uh, cool so what happened was the blog started to take off uh you get several thousand views per month uh and so i got on the radar of uh various mm. companies and people i guess and one of them was amazon the other thing was uh because in the Amazon and e-commerce space, there tend to be quite a lot of dodgy people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you noticed uh, that too? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've always chosen to do things above board. I cannot stand the scammy, mm. dodgy guru type people. Uh, I mean, my Same. wife and I have like gone to uh, like the police station kind of thing, like sit with a widow for four hours like to file a report kind of thing. Mm. Uh so, um, Good for you. I always pay my yep. Mm. So I always pay my suppliers on time. Uh, I do everything like totally white hat, and I think because of that, uh, that helped to um make it easy and okay for Amazon to uh, reach out to me and want to feature um what I was doing. Mm. And I think also one of the reasons was in twenty. 16 amazon actually opened a global selling office in singapore that's right and that office currently oversees sellers uh, it's a branch of the north american office that oversees marketplace sellers from australia new zealand and southeast asia mm-hmm. 
um, so there are uh, management essentially reached out to me and said, hey, you know, there are several, uh, I guess, top sellers, they call it, from Singapore, mm-hmm. uh, but we've never featured anyone. At that point, it was mostly all Americans that they'd featured only. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, we'd love to have someone from this side of the world. Uh, mm-hmm. Would you like to come on our show, essentially? Yeah, and you did. <laughs> yeah, so... Yep. So I got to visit Amazon HQ, blah, 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 wow. do the video shoot. That's so um, awesome. Did they fly you out? Oh, no, that was done in the global selling office okay, in Singapore. Singapore. All right. Yep. You can catch a, a, a metro train to that one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, they <laughs> might have given you a few few dollars for your ticket. Anyway, um, I've, I've got to, I'm getting distracted here. But speaking of Singapore <laughs> then, and in fact, guys, uh, this is episode 93 of the Australian Seller Podcast. So if you head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash 093, um, I'll have all the links to Jason's uh, success story from Amazon. Uh, I'm not sure if we can post a link to the old blog that you once wrote. I don't know if it's still current. But yep. It will. yep, it's still current. Oh, cool. All right, and... But the other thing I was going to ask was then Singapore, the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So that's quite right. quite new and shiny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so can you give us a bit of a rundown there? Because I know that you sell on Amazon Singapore. You, in fact, you mentioned it earlier. So how's it going and, and um, how are the sales there compared to, say, other marketplaces that you might operate in? Uh, um, the Amazon Singapore marketplaces is super, it's super new. And it's uh, Singapore's a really small market. Like population is just under six billion, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, not gonna see like the amount of sales compared to the US. The US, if you do all the numbers, is probably in terms of e-commerce, the market is about two hundred and fifty times bigger than the Singapore e-commerce market um, as of last year. However, uh, why I think. Amazon Singapore is an interesting proposition is because they've not said it officially, but if you read between the lines, I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, Singapore is Amazon's launch pad into the Southeast Asian marketplace. And that comprises, um, Southeast Asia is made out of um, about 10 countries. Uh, For example, next to Singapore are Indonesia and Malaysia. Mm. Indonesia has a population of, I think, 260 million people. That's huge. Yep. Uh, and they are the f- second, f- uh, the country with the second highest compounded annual growth rate in terms of e-commerce uh, oh, growth. Yes. So after India. So uh, I think once um, they've ironed out all the kinks and uh, gotten used to the process because like there's FBA in Singapore now, um, I think it's inevitable that from Singapore, it's going to roll out across into Malaysia and Indonesia. And uh, Malaysia is literally separated by Singapore by, just a, few by a one kilometer yeah. wide strip of water. That's right. <laughs> with like two bridges yeah. across. Don't, so. don't try and swim it. That's for sure. There's a lot of strong currents <laughs> flowing through there. Um, <laughs> but, the, but Singapore has Lazada, I believe. And there's, I can't remember the other mm-hmm. one that's, that's big there. Uh, yep. Q10, Q10 which is, uh, I think eBay, eBay Korea is the biggest shareholder, is the main shareholder of Q10. Right. Uh, they've also got Shopee, which uh, is the shopping marketplace of uh, NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange listed company. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's quite a lot of like competing marketplaces. Uh, how, 
uh, I think if you want to sell on Amazon in Singapore, the key thing would be to differentiate and to sell premium products. Okay. So for example, made in Australia products, I think would be a, a real unique and special selling point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason for that is because Lazada, for example, is probably the largest or second largest marketplace in Singapore at the moment. Mm-hmm. And they um, Alibaba bought Lazada for a billion dollars a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And they have synced Lazada with uh, the main marketplace in China, which is called Taobao. Uh, and so when people in Singapore log into their Lazada account, they can order stuff from Taobao uh, and get it shipped to Singapore for like pennies. Yeah, that's uh, extraordinary. So, that's, so if you're selling made in China products, it's going to be really hard to compete with the direct selling that's uh, that the sellers from China are able to mm. do. Uh, that's a great tip, by have, the way. Mm. Yep. But if mm. you have stuff that, if you have manuka honey, uh, then yeah, those or milk powder, <laughs> baby formula, then the sellers <laughs> in China are not nobody's gonna buy that made in China. <laughs> no, that's true. So if you have a if you have a wholesale relationship here in Australia with some of the bigger brands, either you know potentially food. Although, God, moving food um, with customs and approvals, mm-hmm. yeah, government approvals yep, and stuff. Yeah, it's a whole yeah, other thing. thing. So just be careful before you start trying to ship things that <laughs> you haven't got approval to do. Yeah, but just think about stuff that's not typically yeah. made in China. Anything that's not typically made in China, I think, uh, would be something that, yeah, you would want to focus on. That's right. Do any of the tools work there? Like, does Helium 10, I'm assuming it, it wouldn't? Uh, no, it doesn't. I think mm. it doesn't work for the Australian or Singapore marketplaces at the moment. Mm. Um, the only tool that I know that works, has synced with the Singapore marketplace is um, managed by stats. I used to have a trial account with them, uh, but mm. I haven't really like looked at it much. Um, what else? Oh, yes. The Singapore marketplace is so new uh, that it doesn't even have the advertising feature yet wow that was that sounds I like think. the same rollout of australia yeah we we had to wait <laughs> yep. for a year or that's more right. i can't remember now but it was a long that's time. right so they i i reckon that it's about a couple of years behind the australian marketplace which mm-hmm. started a couple of years ago yep. um the i guess one advantage would be i know that amazon uh has been hiring account managers pretty aggressively in singapore and so, and because there are so few sellers still at the moment, I think it's in the hundreds still only. Wow. Less than a thousand sellers, maybe, mm. my guess. Uh, anybody who opens an Amazon.sg seller account will have an Amazon account manager assigned to Directly. you and they'll reach out to you. Mm. So then you will have someone that you can yep, work with directly on the inside, which I think it's can be a huge advantage. They'll help you like port over listings from your other marketplaces. Uh, they can help you run like deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the things that they are offering like now with the early adopters. Can they get you out of the poo if you've got trouble in, <laughs> on Amazon.com? Uh, that is a huge cesspool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, not really. Uh, they can help with uh, so like for sellers from this side of the world like uh, ANZ uh, Southeast Asia Mm -hmm. all um, like major like 
seller performance reviews, seller identity verification, like suspensions that can go on and on. Mm. Uh, they are escalated through the regional head office in Singapore. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact, like uh, the guys in the Singapore office, I've met most of them. Mm-hmm. They are, they are, the current team is great. Uh, I've worked with the team since it started. I've known the origin, the first global selling manager, but I would say the current team is amazing. Uh, they really have a seller's um, mm-hmm. interest at heart and they have really been, they have done a lot in the last year to really try to help sellers. Mm, I'd agree with that. I've and, seen that firsthand. Yeah, and look, even as far away as Melbourne and Australia, I've helped... Um, well, I've certainly put some new sellers in touch with the Singapore Global Head Office there to to help even simple things like getting an account set up where they've not been able to do that for whatever reason. And, and uh, yeah, it's, they've been extremely, extremely helpful, almost bending over backwards to, to help. So it's a great team in Singapore and, yeah, much more approachable <laughs> than the oh, yes. team over at Amazon.com, that's for sure. But Yeah, I think no other countries like being in this region uh there is no other amazon office that has such a good relationship with the sellers mm-hmm. on the ground i'd agree with that uh let's switch gears then uh, it sounds mm-hmm. like singapore is kind of growing and it's getting there um all right aside from the malaysian cutting board because i think you got that from malaysia <laughs> have you had any other sort yep. of failed products that you might be able to share that we can learn from oh uh haven't had a failed product for a couple of years now oh, you are so lucky <laughs> Um, let's see. Oh yeah. I did like Hawaiian party skirts, you know, like made of raffia string. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> All right. Um, those were a dud. Uh what happened was uh, I did manage to get them selling, but after a while they got so saturated um that I had to reduce costs to the point where um they were barely breaking even. And if they stayed in like the fulfillment centers for another couple of months, they would start making a loss even at whatever price I was selling them at. Yeah. Uh, so for those, uh, fortunately, I started the, my opening order was like 100 sets. Mm-hmm. And so uh, after a couple of months, I decided to cut loss and get rid of the 90-something sets that were left. So at, at that point in time, this was maybe two or three years ago, Mm. Amazon charged 15 cents uh, each for disposal. Mm-hmm. And if you do the numbers 15 times, let's say like ni- 15 cents times 90 pieces is not a lot of money. Nope. Uh, it's cheap. Versus keep, yep, mm. keeping it like and paying storage fees month after month. And then even if you sold it, <laughs> you're not making any money. So mm. uh, I think the lesson there is uh, don't try to flog a dead horse yep just cut your losses yep, yep and get out yep yep, yep. <laughs> that's a good idea sometimes it <laughs> so, really hurts so if you've invested a lot of money and a lot of inventory and absolutely certainly a lot of people that do that absolutely mm. so and that's why i have never really ordered like a very high quantum whether that's in terms of quantity or in terms of dollar amount mm. on a first product so for example in uh 2018 i made a trip to eu in china mm-hmm. and uh wow uh I think it's interesting just to go there for once, like a once in a lifetime experience. <laughs> uh, it's like a huge, huge uh, 
city with um well it's not that big a city but the the wholesale market is about eighty thousand stores Mm -hmm. essentially factory showrooms or wholesale showrooms Mm. uh you can very easily tell who's the factory from who's a trader but Mm -hmm. uh wow it's just another experience altogether like uh you want to buy kitchen where like i don't know uh pots pens pans ladles Mm. uh there are 600 uh, showrooms there of various suppliers (laughs) just one after another yeah um and what happened was uh when i went i essentially set aside like okay i'm paying the money to fly there stay in a hotel blah 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 Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna try to spend at that point i said i'm gonna try to spend ten thousand us dollars here in orders by the time i leave okay uh i broke that down into it's either it's going to be somewhere in the range of five to ten products Mm -hmm. so one to two thousand dollars uh opening order for each product Mm -hmm. and then as i was walking the ewu market i i walked into some of these showrooms and i and you meet the boss and i said wow okay this is something that i'm already selling but these guys are able to like it's much cheaper so i asked the boss like uh what's the minimum order he said one carton <laughs> like okay. and how much is one carton it was about like 40 dollars i'm like okay let's cash and carry yeah. <laughs> so, uh, i essentially just hand it off uh, i walked the market with an agent mm-hmm. uh, so for sourcing from countries for example like india and china i always use i prefer to use an agent right. because they are i treat them like uh partners or staff mm-hmm. and they are my eyes and ears and hands and feet mm-hmm. on the ground uh so they do the orders for me they uh, receive the orders check the quality check the quantities and they arrange the shipping and all that so mm-hmm. uh one of the duds that uh from that trip was i had like 20,000 ponchos made right disposable raincoats mm-hmm. so that sounds like a lot but well it was like 10 or 20 cents per raincoat. So not that much. Um, And I paid the 30% deposit. Uh, The good thing was that I was using an agent and what happened was, so four weeks later after the order was placed, the agent receives the 20,000 ponchos and he sends me a message. He says, Jason, oh no, uh, the the quality of the ponchos is not what you asked for. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, now what? And then my agent said, but don't worry, I'm go- I'm returning it to the supplier and I'm getting your down payment back. Mm-hmm. So if I did not use an agent, uh, I would have been none the wiser. The factory might have just sent it straight into Amazon. Yeah. Uh, and then I get my first 10 one-star reviews or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then the product would be dead in the water. Yeah, that's 20,000 yep. units that aren't going nowhere um, except <laughs> yep. into an Amazon disposal bin in- into the, mm-hmm. into the furnace um yeah and i guess you know if you don't have an agent then the only real option that i strongly strongly recommend is to get a a, a qc company to yep. hit, the, hit the ground there and do and do the work for you on your behalf mm-hmm. so it's a similar sort of thing isn't it now having an agent versus absolutely QC, yeah that's really awesome any other sort of tips or tactics that you could uh, share with uh, with folks that might be still listening to us <laughs> after 45 minutes sure <laughs> I uh for me like um understanding how online sales 
network is very fundamental. Uh, almost all online sales, unless you're running like ads on Facebook or whatever. Uh, but primarily, it all starts with customers typing something into a search bar. So whether that search bar be on Google or Amazon or whatever, uh, the ability to show up in the search results on page one, I think, is key. Mm. And so you need to be able to um, do the research and come up with a short list of keywords that you want to rank for. Mm. Uh, for me, I look for keywords that are fairly easy to rank for so I don't have to spend a ton on marketing. Mm. Um, so I go for low-hanging fruit, low-competition keywords, and I go very wide. Um, so, you, so that's stack, a huge you thing. You do a lot of, I'm assuming, keyword stacking. So you might have you know, um, 10, yep. 10 keywords at 300 volume per month each. So you've got, you're, you've got exactly. access to 3,000 searches a month or 100. Exactly. 100 I, I, I always, yeah. Exactly. I always liken it. I tell people every uh, keyword that you can rank on page one for or that you're uh, targeting, it's like opening a new store a new outlet in another suburb mm. because you hit a different demographic, a different audience yeah, base. That's right. Yeah, spot on. Yeah, that's how I like to do it as well because I think a lot of people just go after a single keyword like cutting board or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which has, yes, it has a lot of volume, but to crack page one on a search term like that with the amount of competition that's there, you know, it's just forget it unless Absolutely. you've got ridiculously deep pockets and you can afford to burn Absolutely. Always, that's right yeah. i always use the bluetooth speaker example for yeah. this because um some years ago uh the first amazon global selling manager said uh, hey jason there's this like local company they do bluetooth speakers would you be keen to be their consultant and help them get on amazon or boost their amazon sales which were pretty like sad yeah uh but they did not have the budget and their product wasn't unique or special in any way. It wasn't like a waterproof Bluetooth speaker or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at that point, when you type Bluetooth speaker into Amazon, there were 156,000 results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the first page was people like Bose, uh, JBL. Mm-hmm. These guys can afford like 10, 20, I don't know, $100 per click. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you're just not going to be able to compete against them if you're a little guy for whom like 50 cents, $1 a click is already painful. Yeah, exactly in terms of margin. And and, and those yep. bigger companies as well, like the budgets that they can throw to advertising on Amazon is yep. ridiculous. And they don't even, yep. they're not interested in ACOS. Like they're just not, mm-hmm. they, they've basically got a big, yeah. they've got a big budget. Um, exactly. And it and it's spread out across all the different channels that they operate in and they, yep. you know, they run magazine ads and they run TV and mm-hmm. they run radio and all that above the line yep. stuff. And mm-hmm. then they've got all that. Exactly. TV's they burn like 30,000 yep. a day on like a, yep. a spreadsheet in the newspaper. Exactly. So like- it's all about just market share at almost any cost. So yeah, just don't play there. Um, stay away from competitive products and don't think either that you, you know, oh, if I just got a tiny slice of this big pie, it's really, really hard to get that tiny, <laughs> tiny slice that you think you want, that you think it might be easy. Uh-huh. Tiny, tiny Absolutely. slices in big pies on Amazon is a really, really big mistake. And I've seen it Absolutely. happen so often. I've had so many students mm-hmm. that have come to me with, oh, I've yep. already sourced this thing. Can you help me with not yep. selling? And you just go, oh, my God. Totally, totally. That's one of the most common pitfalls. So I, I just said to a group of sellers in Perth this morning, uh, do not. I do not want to be the plankton in the ocean and get swallowed by the blue whales. <laughs> I'd rather be like the big fish in the little ponds. Yeah, that's um, 
That's a great analogy. <laughs> Speaking of Perth, are you living there at the moment or are you uh, just on holiday or trapped? <laughs> What's going on there? A combination of the above. <laughs> I'm actually on a tourist visa, uh, but yeah, um, probably uh, I'm going to, the plan is to register a business here and then get a business visa event at some point. Yep. Sounds great. And make it a bit yeah. more permanent. Yep. Good on you. Well, God, look, if mm-hmm. you ever come across to Melbourne, can we catch up? I would love to uh, cross paths and, and um, buy a cup sure. of coffee. Sure. That'd be fun. That'd be awesome. Do you have any plans to exit any of these businesses that you're in? Um, maybe in a few years. <laughs> All right. Let's leave that one. Go go start a farm or something. Oh, <laughs> that'd just be a dream. Um, Jason, I think that's all the questions I have. I want to say a big thanks. How can we get in touch with you? All right. So the easiest way is uh, you can go onto my website. There's a contact page there. So that's Jason Tay, T-A-Y, online.com. Uh, on the front page is also links to a f- Facebook group that I started. So uh, I respond pretty quickly to Facebook messages. Um Great. through that page cool yep. i'll have to join that. i don't think i've joined your facebook group i feel terrible <laughs> right i'm jumping straight on it i'll keep a lookout for you <laughs> please let me in um awesome and don't forget to join the australian seller facebook group too which is over at Absolutely. the australian seller.com we'll forward slash facebook easy to remember and please join the family we are getting lots and lots of people because uh danny mcmillan has kindly well we struck a little deal me and danny where Mm-hmm. Uh, he syndicates his daily seller sessions shows onto my uh-huh. into my group, and he runs. And as a, in return, uh, he runs a little ticker across the bottom, which says, "You know, um, thanks to the syndicated groups, including the Australian Seller." And uh, yeah, we're getting sort of thirty or forty people a day joining up, which is really exciting, and oh. and very grateful to Danny cool. for that too. So, um, yeah, so join join the fun. Um, Mm-hmm. All right. Well, listen. Thanks again for coming on the show. Super grateful, and really can't wait to meet you in person when we when we get to India together. Hopefully in October. Oh, yes. yes, you'll be on the India sourcing trip tour as well. Hopefully it happens. <laughs> it's going to. <laughs> we, we might not be able to get back into Australia. <laughs> to that, I don't know. Yeah, quar- Let's see how it goes. Quarantine for a month. Who knows? Anyway, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll do it. It's worth it. Um, thanks heaps again, and yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. Yep, see ya. Take care. Links and show notes for this episode can be found over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher or your favorite podcast platform. Sign up to my email over at theaustralianseller.com and I'll send you a note each time I publish a new podcast episode. Thanks so much again for listening.